Dick Simon. Part two. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. <laughs> uh, so before, before any car, because I, 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 um, I, I truly don't know this. I mean, I know there's some of the bio stuff that I've read, but, but through all of this, you, didn't, you, you couldn't just start an IndyCar team with nothing. So all the time you were building up an insurance business at the same time. Correct? I'll tell you how I started it. I, I had won the championship in Salt Lake City, 20 out of 21 okay. races, super modified. Okay. <clears throat> then I broke my back. Then Gordon Lords, a friend of mine way back 60 years ago, came into my office where I was president of Majestic Life Insurance Company. He sat down and he says, Dick, you need to get back into racing. Right. He said, look at what Billy Foster and Art Pollard and Jim Molloy are doing. Yeah. He said, you beat them half the time and they yeah. beat you half the time. And by this point, especially guys like Art Pollard are now really high up there in the, yeah. in the rankings. They right? were at Indy. Yeah. And he said, you belong there. You, you, you have a talent that is uncanny. Uh, you know what the car needs you're mechanically inclined and that's how you were able to take that car he said look at the people that drove your car afterwards they did nothing with it he said look at the car this and that and and i said well what do you think gordy he says why don't you apply for a rookie test at indy and he says let's buy an indy car from somebody well i called and tried to find out if i could buy an indy car and they said, well, it doesn't matter if you buy a car. We have so many drivers now. We are tightening up the rules as the rookies come into Indy. And I said, yeah, but I competed against all the guys you got right now. Tom Sneva, Billy Foster, Art Pollard. They beat me. I beat them. Uh, I'm competitive and I want to come. You can't until you get open wheel experience. Carl Haas called me and he said, I heard you were trying to think of going to Indy. He said, I have a Formula A car I can sell you. So I bought a Formula A car and I ran the Formula A six races, one couple. Formula A would be equivalent of like Indy Lights today? Yes. Okay. And from Car Haas. And I did well enough in it that uh, they said, okay, you can come to Indy. And then I had to try to figure out what I was going to do for an Indy car. And I called through Grant King, having been in Portland. Grant King told me, well, if you're going to Indy, Dick, you need to talk to Rolf Alstead. He's got two or three cars, and he can give you one of those cars. So I called Rolf Alstead, and Rolf said, well, I'm not going to give you a car, but I will sell you a car. I'll sell you one of my cars for $12,000. He said it's never made a race, but he said it comes that close to making it every time. And I said, well, who's been your drivers? Johnny Rutherford, so forth, so on. This guy, that guy, the Formula One driver, he told me. I forget his name now. Um, never made the race, five races. I bought the car for $12,000 with the promise from Rolla Volstead that he would take me to Indy. He took me to Indy during the snow conditions, introduced me to everybody at Indy. This is going to be my driver this year. All of a sudden, I get a phone call from him. I can't take you. John Cannon won the Formula A series, and their agreements is that they will pay the expenses to take John Cannon, the champion, to Indy, and they're paying me to take John Cannon. So it would be like a today we have the Mazda road to Indy. Yes. It'd be almost an identical kind of, so kind of thing. Yeah. I said, but I bought the car from you with the promise you'd take me to Indy. Yeah. We went to Indy. Right. You introduced me to Indy. I'm sorry, Dick, it's money. I can't take you to Indy. You own the car. He said, I'll do what I can help you, but I can't take you to Indy. I'm sitting there with a $12,000 car. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and there, there, was, was there, but there was no Dick Simon Racing to take it to like there would have been a few years no. later. No. So <clears throat> I went to the Chamber of Commerce in Salt Lake City, and I said, hey, I'm president of Majestic Life Insurance Company. I'm this and I'm that. And I race as a hobby. And I won the nas- at the championship here at this racetrack. And I did this. And I went to college. And I said, I need the city's help. They said, well, what do you want us to do? 
I said, I want you to get the top business people in Salt Lake City together for a meeting at the chamber meeting, at the chamber of commerce. And I want to present to them the first opportunity for Utah to go to the Indianapolis 500. Okay, they did. I'm standing up there, and Lori Miller, to this day, the largest car dealership in Utah, yeah, yeah. stands up in the middle of my conversation, says, Mr. Simon, you know, I respect what you're trying to do, but what you're trying to do is have Salt Lake pay for your goal. So he basically called you out. Yeah, he, he said, all you're trying to do is get us to pay for you to go to Indy. He said, have you ever been to Indy? In front of the whole group. I said, yeah, I was there when Rolla Volstead took me around the track in the snow. Have you ever competed against A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, or those people? No, I haven't. What makes you think you can compete? Then I told him, well, I'm competing against Art Pollard, yeah, right. Billy Foster, Jim Malloy, Tom Sneva. And I proved myself. If that's not good enough for you, what do I need to do? He said, well, he said, I am a believer of goals, but if you're going to Indy, it's going to cost way more than I can afford. And he walked out. I'm standing up on the stage there, and Freddie Arbach, the owner of Arbach's department store, stood up. Now, he had a major stuttering problem. And he stands up. He was the inheritant of the Arbach's department store in New York and Salt Lake and all over the country. Wealthy billionaire. He stands up and he says, M -m -m Mr. Simon, you come to my office. This meeting's over. Huh? Mm -hmm. Sounds promising. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, thank you, Mr. Arbach. Um, uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I started stuttering. Wait, you started stuttering? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Like you were making fun of him? Yes. On purpose? No. Oh, right. okay. You, you just, just literally used, had a tick of nervousness. You just picked up the habit right. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It was a I've never stuttered in my life. Oh, right. God. And I stuttered back and answered, uh, 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 thank you. And everybody laughed in the whole room. Including him? No. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> and I went over to his office immediately. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he wrote me a check for $50,000. Oh, wow. Oh, stand-up guy. Wow. Yeah. Would have been two hundred k. Right. So, Indy at that time, this is, what year is this, 69? It was 69, yeah. So, a $12,000 car and $50,000 kind of sponsorship was that a net was that was that good enough for indy uh -uh. no okay. <laughs> i had to buy an engine oh okay so i got a hold of dan gurney part of him yep the first two races for the indy racing riverside and sonoma okay and i was driving at that point with my twelve thousand dollar car and my engine from my formula a car huh. so it. it'd be like a indy lights engine today yeah. Going up against Honda and Chevy. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, Honda. I mean, just <laughs> Honda. And I did well enough that I was able to go to the race in Sonoma. I finished fifth, and Foyt finished sixth with my engine from my Formula A car. With that, Indy said you can come to Indy. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I would say you could, yeah. you could you'd come prove on down. Now I needed to get an engine for Indy. Right, because at Sonoma, where there's very little straight, a Formula yeah. A engine yeah, maybe could cut it. Yeah. yeah. But Indy, <laughs> there's no substitute for power there. So I went to Dan Gurney for you. Do you know him at all at this point, other than just buying stuff from him? Or? No. Okay. He said, Dick, he says, I have an engine that's got 500 miles on it. it finished the race last year. It's in my show car. You want that engine, it's probably good for a couple hundred miles. And then he said, you're going to have to overhaul it. He said, if you want that engine, I'll take it on credit. And I said, fantastic. I said, when I make the race, I'll write you a check. That actually happened. That's a big risk, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I made the race. 
and my check was almost to the penny what I owed him for the engine. The check on the prize money for qualifying or for for, for the race, just for the finishing. I, I, a little more than what you. It was just a little more. And he said, I don't have the change at the driver's meeting or at the driver's award banquet when I signed the check and gave it to him. Dick, I don't have the change here. Six hundred or seven hundred dollars. <laughs> I said, call it interest. Right. <laughs> I love the idea that you just hand him a giant novelty check. Yeah. Like, here you go. <laughs> so with the help of a twelve thousand dollar car, the help of Dan Gurney, the help of a lot of people. Yeah. Along uh, the Auerbach family. Yeah. Along the way. It happened. We uh try to give as much information to like young racers or people new to the sport that want to get involved and one of the phrases that we really like is be likable because likable people get help mm-hmm. and assholes don't necessarily get help and if they do it's probably not the kind of help the likable guy gets right. and it sounds like if you were this prick that showed up and just was Telling people how it is and what's what. Dan Gurney's probably not going to have a whole lot of time for you. Dan Gurney isn't just giving stuff out. <laughs> and not that it's easy to collect today, but I'm imagining it was even harder to collect then if somebody defaulted or right, paid yeah. back or whatever. Well, yeah. so. you got to remember, I was president of those insurance companies. Right. So he had me sign. So he knew you, you well, were Well, he had for me it. sign some papers guaranteeing payment. That's all getting cut out. We're just going to say it was all. Yeah. <laughs> no, $18,000 is what he sold me the engine for. And I signed a note for it. Right. Guaranteeing him. It's like a personal guarantee. By the guarantee. end of Indianapolis 500, yeah. if I hadn't paid him, I would pay him. Okay. So Plain sort of a simple. Yeah, yeah. Which meant I either had to go borrow money to pay him. Yeah. Right. Or pay it out of the prize money. Right. And I was willing to take that gamble. I knew I would make Indy. Because by this point in your professional career outside of racing... Your insurance business has already grown well enough that you were you were doing fine financially. You're like the yeah. chairman of the board of, yeah, right. chairman yeah. of the board of uh, nine companies. Right. Yeah. And it was all and so because so, today we're starving. Back then I had money to buy you guys and this whole place didn't. Well, that, so that, that that was that was my that was kind of the question I was leading to earlier. So like when people say Dick Simon today who are familiar with with IndyCar from that era, they know about the trucking business. I, you know, Ryan and I now know about your yacht business, but I don't know where all that started. So it really did start with insurance. It's kind of where you, mm-hmm. you really kind of made your, your the yachting business is another story. Right. But the Dick insur- Simon trucking was in Salt Lake City. And right. In but what, West, but West the insurance Jordan. business really got you started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My first loan was for $5,000 for um, the engine with uh, Mickey Thompson. I went to the bank and I borrowed $5,000 from the bank for a business transaction. And she said to me, what kind of business? I said, it'll be in the newspapers. Do uh, Am I worth 5000 to the bank? And they said, well, of course you are. And I said, well, then let me surprise you. It'll mm-hmm. be in the newspaper. Oh. You know how now when you go to Chase or Bank of America, you're like, it's going to be a big surprise. (coughs) It'll be on Twitter. You'll see. You're going to love this. Uh, All right. I don't think tanks like surprises. I can tell you the opposite story. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. Diane and I lost everything in racing, we lost everything. And we never took out bankruptcy, but we paid everybody in full. And then we bought the back into the boat business. I went to the bank to borrow 150000 They wouldn't loan it to me because... We were out of the boat business for three years and came to get back in and tried to borrow 150000 They wouldn't let me. Well, you got to have two years of profit or loss. Profit. I said, you got to be kidding me. They wouldn't loan me the money. I had to buy it from an individual. What year was this? Ten years ago. Uh-huh. That was a terrible time to get a loan. <laughs> like 2009? Yeah. Yeah, good luck getting any money in 2009 from anybody. Yeah, yeah. About okay. anything, let alone boats. I'm going to say it wasn't just boating. Like, there was nothing getting loans at that point. Yeah, but boats. Yeah, but like, <laughs> this is just for the affluent? <laughs> well, they wouldn't loan it to me, so I went to a private individual, sold him half interest in our boating business, and continued on. Was it Dan Gurney? No. Damn it. Joe, Joe Ma- Martino, a local guy. I had sold a number of his boats, so I sold him on the idea of being a partner. Right. Silent. Oh, weird. Silent partner. <laughs> Went back to your old ways. <laughs> Convinced no. him to be a partner. <laughs> yeah. 
So what I love about this, we're two and a half hours in. Not a goddamn word about IndyCar. <laughs> like, none of, uh, well, we're just all over the place. That's the point. This, that's the point. Because, like, we literally know you from our era of IndyCar racing, which would have been, like, 90s primarily, late 80s, that kind of ownership, yeah, like, yeah. takes time in the owner. And that's, like, we haven't talked about that at all. Um, which is fine. Like, that's the whole point of this show for us is that, like, if, if this is what sitting down to dinner with Dick Simon is like, then this is what it's like. So, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was it you wanted to talk about? Let's Nothing. No, no, this is fantastic. Let's just make fun of Dennis Vitola for like 30 minutes. I know. I see you eating my French fries. Yep. But they're our so, French fries now, Diane. They're so ours forever. For argument's sake, when the team started building in the 80s and 90s, it was largely what we would call now a customer team, right? No. What? <laughs> okay. What do you call a customer? A customer team is when somebody brings their own sponsorship. No, or absolutely not. No. Okay. Yeah. You guys want to talk about it? Absolutely not. Okay. I sold almost every sponsor that was brought to us. I'll give you an example. Uh huh. You sold Panasonic to the Matsushita family. We yes. did. Yeah. One hundred percent. We even went there to Japan to meet with them. But yes. didn't didn't the Matsushita and we had kid? to take our shoes off to go in the house. Well, that's that is in fact the Japanese culture. So yes, um, <laughs> so we're not gonna laugh at that. <laughs> but, but go, okay, so so because uh, um, that is a misconomer that I want to kill Donald what Davidson at Indy for. And, oh, and we can set that up. Yeah, we oh can actually do this. Do you want to murder him? No, oh we just saw that guy like a week no, ago. I think I mean, he's up here. I mean, right? yeah. I mean, he he, could take he, he originally started the news people saying, Dick Simon, um, if you want to go racing at Indy, oh, he and the news media picked up on it. Donald was part of it. He, he, he said, well, if you want to make it at Indy, he's the only owner that makes every rookie qualify at Indy. Yeah, it was like what, so he caused cars or something. Sub ran subconsciously, he caused it to where people thought that if you had money and you wanted to drive at Indy, you went to Dick Simon mm -hmm. racing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That well, was wrong. Um, Just go ask like Lynn St. James. Lynn St. James calls me one day and says, Dick, I really want to run Indianapolis. Yeah. I have seen you at all the races because she was involved in those cars that ran – at the tracks yeah. with the pace promotion. cars and all that pace stuff. Cars. Yeah, right, right. She said, that's my goal. And I said, well, kiddo, it doesn't happen without money. Mm -hmm. I said, where you can help me to help you is you line up some potential sponsors and I'll come and sell them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go ask her who went to JCPenney's with her to sell the million eight dollar sponsorship that we sold, it wasn't me. She set up the meeting. And when she first set up the meeting, she set up the meeting with the vice president of marketing. I said, not good enough, Lynn. Not good enough. What do you mean? I said, he is not going to make a decision to spend that kind of money without his underlying people being involved. So you need to get all of the people that will be working under him involved. We had 21 people in the meeting. When we left there, we had an agreement for a million eight. And all the women got behind Lynn. And they're the ones that pushed me. They're the ones that pushed me. And pushed her. It all started from me telling her just to open the door for me. That's how it all happened with each one of the rookie drivers. They all came to me and wanted to drive an Indy. And I'd say, look, I don't have time to go open the doors. You get somebody. The same thing happened to uh, Mackenzie uh in canada oh, Scott Goodyear? Uh, and tim do uh, tim horgan or hope donuts Horton. tim hortons horton donuts so the idea is you're not going to cold call people but if they uh. can sort of tee it up for you you know what they want to see it well i didn't want to just go call call oh i understand what a time waste that can be that's in 2019 a big problem so i understand so if a driver came to me with a potential possible sponsor yeah. i went and sold it did he bring me the money, or did I sell it for him? That's where I think they missed the story. Sure, because that would definitely, I would definitely argue the perception is that yeah. you provided a service for people that were bringing money. Yes. And you're saying that is absolutely not true. Absolutely not and, true. And that you, yeah. They never brought me a dime. Sure. They brought me in the 
a possibility. Right. Sure. It sounds so, like it would have been easier if they did. Right. <laughs> so, in a case like, we'll take Hiro Matsushita, um, because, you, I mean, he's definitely got family connections into Panasonic. So, it was the idea that Hiro wanted, he'd been driving Atlantics, he wants to step up to IndyCar, and he's telling you, like, you got to convince my parents? Like, how does this work? I had to fly to Japan. Okay. I had to give a full-blown presentation to all of his people and convince them that the marketing, and that's wherein I would use the idea of first out at Indy, I would use the ideas of things, and I'd say, how much would you pay this year, Panasonic, to be at the World Series or the football, what do you call it? Um, Yeah, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. I said, if you give us $3 million, we'll get you 10 times that coverage. How? Then I would show them. And they'd sign up. My wife is saying we got to go, but, but, but let's... Uh, I got to go. I'm saying I got to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to finish this up, honey, in the next few minutes. Okay. We can't let our fans down and not do a few just basic IndyCar things. Yeah. Like, we'd, we'd let our fans down if we didn't just have some fun stories. Who was the biggest pain in the ass? Yeah, you know, I am the type of guy that puts the negative out of mind. Uh-huh. Okay. If you ask me who was the best, I can start telling you. Yeah, but that's never juicy enough, you know. But we'll get to that. I can tell you the the best and the worst. Okay. Yes. Good. All in one driver. Oh, oh. oh. here we go. We're all boys up. Because the way I look at it, every driver has his own love for what he's doing and every person that i've ever met in life feels that what they're doing is right so i don't necessarily condemn them for being negative to me i just basically say that's not what i want sorry so then i move on to the positive so the most positive was raul boisel Raul Boisel begged me for a ride from New York City. I told him to come on over and visit us. He came and lived on our couch for I don't know how long. I gave him a test at the Riverside Raceway. Mm -hmm. Raul got his chance with us. He ran good, better than he ever ran in his life. When it came to him sitting on the front row, him sitting on the pole at Milwaukee, they had a meeting with Ray Hall Hogan and Penske and those guys. They stole him from us. Broke their contracts. Raul, uh, Hero broke his contract, same year. Because Hero's people said, there's no way with Duracell and Raul being gone that we can run as strong as we are with $3 million. Yeah. So basically they said, we're going to take it to, what was his name? The other, he was in California here. Cal Oh, Cal Wells, right. Cal Wells. Yeah, that's right. Cal Wells stole the team of Panasonic. They all got together. They stole Panasonic and that driver combination. And and Ray Hall Hogan and Penske stole Duracell. We had a lawsuit with Duracell. We won the lawsuit. We only won a small percentage. The reason we won the small percentage, we went back into the race team is because that broke us when that happened. And what we did is we sold to a guy named... Uh, Andy Evans. Yeah. What? Andy Evans. Andy Evans. Scandia. We sold to Andy Evans, not thinking we were selling the team, thinking we were selling half the team, but he took us over. So basically, those two people caused that. All right. So is my opinion of Raul a good one? No, because basically, we brought him up to where... Sat on the front row at Indy, finished fifth in the point standings, and shit on us to go with Ray Hall Hogan when we had a three-year contract. Yeah. And he was out of and, racing after And that. you said he slept on your couch. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. Right? right? Yeah. Yes. So you say so he was the best and worst thing for you, best because... Best and the worst. Because the two of you... Ever. Together they really elevated. Could have been great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, together they could have been great. there was that, that sort of 93, 94 era where the two of you together were a really elevated team. We were unbelievable because yeah. I was a driver. Yeah. Give you an example Raul Boisel and 
uh, our head mechanic, mm -hmm. were practicing with what we had paid an extra $40,000 first time in my career for a qualifying engine. I oh, felt, I felt, oh, right. I, I felt we could sit on the front row instead of 10th, 15th. So I paid for a qualifying engine for both him and Lynn. $80,000 later, he's on the front row, Lynn's on the second row, ahead of three world champions. So it was a good investment. But nevertheless, what basically happens when you do things like that, nobody appreciates it. You know, I mean, how in the world could he go from that to going to Milwaukee, sitting on the pole five miles an hour faster than Nigel Manser, world champion, five miles an hour. It was on the front page. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> three million dollar salary, zero salary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Three, Twenty million dollar Kmart sponsor, three million dollar Duracell. Duracell. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? That's what the newspaper said. Yeah. They signed a contract with Raul just shortly thereafter. Yeah, right. Must to take him. him away. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, Panasonic was gone. Yeah. So the big dollars buried us. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. This business is, is the same as any business. Yeah. I just spent six months teaching an agent how to be successful. Yeah, right. Right? He gets a job offer from a broker in San Diego mm -hmm. for twice what I'm paying him, and he leaves. Yeah, right, right. Guess who uh, Chip Ganassi hired? I was paying him $80,000 a year. I brought him from Formula One over to here. His head engineer, Julian. Julian Robertson. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Right. I, you, I love him to this day. He came into me. He says, Dick, I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> and I said... Why, Julian? I got offered three hundred and some thousand dollars yeah, right, right, right. to come to work. He says, "Are they crazy?" <laughs> I said, "No, you're crazy if you don't take you it." Gotta go. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's you can't. You're yeah. not coming again, yeah. right? So we're still friends to this day. Yeah, because yeah, he took. But, well, he, but he, he went to you face to face and told I you. I gave him yeah. my blessing. Right. Yeah. Raul did it behind my back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not how you handle business. Yeah. Okay, we know you guys got to get going. We do a couple of things on the show ep every episode that gets uh, kind of thrown thrown around. So we do a pass along question. So the previous guest asks a question of the next guest, whether they know, who, they know who it is or not. And so your previous guest was a lady named Connie Nyholm, who is the president, or she's the owner. Your <laughs> your pass along question is from Connie Nyholm, who is the owner of Virginia International Raceway. Beautiful and, track if you've never been there. Yeah, awesome place. And she's a kick-ass lady. Like has like colored hair and was drinking with us. She was great. And her question for you was, based on life and your career, what would you do differently? What changes would you make? None. Because I don't think I did anything wrong. I think along the way, life itself determines sometimes the outcome. And you either have to accept it or feel sorry for yourself. Or do whatever you have to do. Yeah. All I've done, done is chose to move on to a different type of life. So now I sell boats in Dana Point Harbor with a smile. And I'm happy as hell. I've got the happiest wife in the world for me. And uh, what else is there? i got 22 grandkids. Jesus <laughs> 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 Christ. When we lost everything, yeah. we lost everything. Yeah. yeah. We... We're doing millions of dollars. We got down to where we had seventy thousand left. Mm -hmm. We paid every we paid everybody one hundred percent. That is so call, rare. Call Lola. Yeah, right. Call uh, <laughs> call, call, call Lola. Call Lola, and then all their empty invoices. <laughs> yeah, and call Cosworth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian Bisco will tell you that he had a heart attack. Yeah. When he got when the he check. heard that we had two sponsors file bankruptcy on us. Yeah. He yeah. called me and said, Dick, I'm out of a job. And I said, Because you, you owed mean? money. Cause yeah. just He's he like, says, yeah. I extended you credit that I've never extended Carl Haas or Penske. Yeah, right. He said, because I love you. You're our biggest customer. We yeah. were running a yeah, lot of cars. Yeah, a really yeah, good program. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he says, oh, my God, is there any way you can get me paid? You owe me $700,000. Yeah. And, and I said, Ian, don't worry about it. Yeah. We paid every one of them 
100%. We had 70,000 left and moved to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to take care of my mother's, uh, my wife's mother and father, start our life over. Yeah, right. Am I sorry for that? No. Yeah. No. We had probably one of the greatest experiences that people could have in this whole world. Yeah. We met tons of people. We met tons of corporations. Yeah. We lent to corporations a lot of benefits. A lot of people benefited along the way of what we were doing. But nobody that I know of got hurt. Who still kept up with you? Who was still your friend when you didn't have anything to offer him anymore? Lynn St. James. Yeah. The only one. Really? The only one was Lynn. Mm-hmm. That, like... She has been a... A good, good friend. Yeah. All of our, all of our life. We don't know that answer. That's a real question. Yeah. You know, like she, we didn't, <laughs> no one told us to ask that. It's something I think about a lot. Like when it's a fan, who's still there for you? If yeah, you exactly. want to, if you want to know, out of all the drivers in history that we had, the one that probably was the most loyal and would do anything in the world for Dick and Diane at this stage, Lynn. Yeah. For being thankful. The second one is Ari Leyendijk. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, he is too. Really? Yeah. He is too. You call Ari. He said to me one day, just a year ago, when I was at a deal that Lynn was promoting in Arizona. Yeah. Lynn, or Ari put his arm around and he said, you know, out of all my racing career, there's one thing I'm sad about. And I said, well, that's Dick, Ari, that I didn't win a race for you. Yeah. He wished he, he told me, he said, I wish so much that I had won that Indy for Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he learned so much when he drove for us. And the next year he went to Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shearson. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he won. Do you know why he went to Domino's? Because we couldn't Loves give pizza. him the... No, we had. <laughs> no. We couldn't give him the Chevy We, Le- we had engine. a Cosworth engine. Yeah. He could have won Indy that year, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the power. Chevrolets were more powerful. Yeah, right. He said to me, Dick, I could have won the race. It was a power race. He said, if you don't have Chevrolet next year, I can't drive for you. I went to Penske to get the Chevrolet engines. And he said to me, I can give you my used engines like I give Bettenhausen. Well, and, and, and for those who don't know, like, it was a different time then because basically Penske ran Ilmore, yeah. yes. which yeah. ran all the Chevy engines. So yes. he controlled the, the distribution. He controlled it. Yeah. I, I can give you those. Do the same program as I do. But I said, but that's one year behind. Yeah. He said, well, that's the best I can do for you. <laughs> so I, yeah, got, I, I don't care. <laughs> I got into a huge fight with the board of directors of the championship series when Penske was ruling trying to push reduce the boost for safety I said in the boat board meeting if you reduce the boost Cosworth is done and Penske said in the Ford meeting now Mr. Simon not only are you a race driver and a businessman uh, but are you now an engineer do you have a degree Penske said that. Yes. No, No, I don't have a degree. Well, I pay millions of dollars, and this program that I'm presenting to the board is required for safety. And he didn't say any more. The board voted for reducing the boost. My argument was the Cosworth engines were already having trouble tagging the valves. Ask uh, the driver that we had at the time who was tagging valves all the time and causing us problems to pay the bills because he'd over-revved the engine. I said, Chevrolet has clearance in their piston-to-deck clearance. They can increase the compression ratio, the difference of the boost. They will not reduce boost. Cosworth will. That's when Ari switched to... uh, Shearson. uh, No, no. Shearson. Yeah, yeah. He switched to Shearson because he could have the Chevrolet engine. Right, right. One Indy. Yeah. That's when he came to me with tears in his eyes. Yeah. I wish this was for you. Yeah. yeah. 
He but said, <clears throat> but I, he did it to your face. He went to like your face and said it, it though, like, hey, yeah, if you yeah, can yeah. provide this, I'll stay. And you couldn't. He's a yeah. man that has to look out for his career. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't hide. Sure. And so out of every driver that we ever brought to Indy, the ones that are the most loyal that I could say mm-hmm. would do anything they can to help Diane and I. Yeah. Ari Lyon, Lynn St. James. Awesome. Nobody else fits the picture. They were all after their own program. Yeah, right, right. Every one of them. Like, so, I like knowing that. So, so basically, that if that answers your question. Yeah. But basically, I was correct. Costsworth that next year went out of business, more or less. For, yeah, for yeah. that program, yeah. So, so I was right. Yeah. Not an engineer, but. But you can, you're not dumb. <laughs> it's all you do. You learn. You understand. Well, yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. tagging valves, you yeah, start right. thinking well, about. You're paying for those engines. Yeah. You start, you doing start the thinking wide. about, do I need to reduce the piston height? Right. No, but if I do that, I reduce compression. If I reduce compression, I reduce power. Yeah, yeah. right. Simple. Uh, yeah. 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 I can't. I can add. So <laughs> Yeah, so I'm at the board meetings. Yeah, sweating this out. And Penske even called her and I out at one board meeting, and I don't want to get in trouble, but he said, if you don't stop fighting all this, you're going to be out of racing. Huh. So, so tomorrow we're going to have – are you familiar with Stormy Daniels? Uh-uh. <laughs> so, remember the – okay, so our next guest is Michael Avenatti. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. <laughs> She knows who he is. Stormy Daniels. Oh, now you know. Oh, right. Are you kidding so, me? No, so our well, next guest, who, well, Michael Avenatti, uh, was a racer for a while. Oh, he was. Technically still is. Oh, yeah, he is. technically still is. He did run an IMSA. He ran Le Mans. He's a real okay. deal. Yeah. did race. Uh, okay. So he's our next. So if you could ask any, do you know who Michael Avenatti is? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Attorney for... Stormy, Stormy yes, yeah, right. Among many things he's done in his career. Yeah, if you could ever ask Michael Avenatti any question, what would it be? What, what would it be? Yeah. Oh my god. Anything you oh want. Are you fucking stupid? <laughs> <laughs> can you give me some? Can you, can you give me a follow up? So he's like, like, "What's that supposed to mean?" I'd be like, "Well, like, what were you thinking?" Okay, that didn't help. I, well, yeah, I know what his answer is going to be. Like, are you f***ing stupid for the Stuart Daniels thing or just the way he approaches life? Like, what? Yeah, specifically. What is, there a, yeah. <laughs> is there a specific asterisk? By you the way, to this? thank you for a great question. I'd rather not answer it because it will. I will answer it. Don't okay. Worry. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Diane's ready. Oh, my gosh. Over here. The guy's a complete. <laughs> that's not a question. Yep, that's just a statement. Oh, no, that's a statement. Michael, yes. This is a question from Dick Simon. Okay, well, we'll make sure to say that. Have you ever looked into what reality is? <laughs> okay, that's not any better. Hang on, let no, him. Keep going. Good. Proceed. Keep, keep going. That's not good. Um, I like that it sounds like it's like a ransom letter too. Yeah. This is Dick Simon speaking. I have certain skills. <laughs> Are you familiar with? Are you? In my opinion, you're on the wrong side of the fence in many ways of life. Okay, these aren't questions. See, that's again <laughs> just an opinion. <laughs> you got you get a you get a chance to ask him anything you want. Well, uh, we can I, have. In my opinion, you're on the wrong side of the fence in many areas. R- right, but again, comma. <laughs> like, do you agree? Are you, do you, I would ask. Do you think you're going to jail? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, you know, I cry. I crashed a plane through a barn. What? What? Yeah. Where was that story? We don't have Salt Lake City on the front page of the uh, Salt Lake Times. (laughs) (laughs) Came out with no wings. Oh, you overlooked one. Yeah, apparently we didn't know that one story. Yeah. It's a good one. What kind of plane are we talking here? (laughs) Well, back in the days when we were racing, I was having a special fuel tank. Uh Uh-huh. Made for my race car. Okay. In Spanish Air Fork Airport. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're still on it. Yeah. I'm and the reason it was it. being made at Spanish Fork Airport is because it was not in Salt Lake City where everybody knows everything that's going on. Yeah, right, right. Small town. I Small wanted town. a special yeah. fuel tank. So I had that special fuel tank made in Spanish Fork. I had to go up to the airport to get it, a plane, and yeah. fly down to Spanish Fork. Right. Which was... By plane, less than 30-minute flight. Okay. I'm flying into Spanish Fork Airport. I'm 500 feet off the ground, and the engine quit. I wiped out the 12,000-volt blinds that go to Provo. 
and the plane hooked on to one of the lines and was in a rotating deal uh, yeah, like right. this. Yeah. And I had no way to do anything except keep the plane level. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here comes a barn. <laughs> I pulled up to go over the barn, and it didn't go over the barn. I went right through it. <laughs> and fortunately for me, God's been on my side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. The, that day, at 4.30 that afternoon, the barn was emptied from hay. <laughs> So I took out both walls. Yeah, right. right. So the roof went to the ground. Yes. And I'm on the other side. Just keep going. Right. And, and the wings were off the airplane. Fuel's running all over. I dove down over the front of the plane because the seat next to me took out the windshield. Okay. Because well, that would have been the same. Right. Yeah, that's Diane's seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, well, she's, no, she's, no. <laughs> had you been a teach to, attached to the seat belt, well, you would have been like me, still yeah. in the airplane. Right, right, right. Yeah. The seat broke loose and oh, took the okay. windshield out so the plane's sitting like this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i undid my seat belt and scooted down the front of the plane and ran yeah because the fuel's everywhere i thought yeah. it was going to explode yeah i could smell the fuel so i i turn around to watch it explode <laughs> and this, this <laughs> farmer comes out of his house and his hand hit me on the shoulder and i went oh <laughs> that's I, what scares you yeah <laughs> scared the shit out of me and, and he said is he dead and I said, no, I was flying the airplane. God damn, you scared me. And, <laughs> and he, you were flying the airplane? I said, yeah, I just jumped out. <laughs> you he, know, sued, he sued Provo and got brand new underground power lines through his ranch huh. instead of the over power lines. Yeah, He'd right. been trying for years. He's like, wow. glad you came through. So he thanked me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in Thank addition you. to that, the club thanked me at the Alta Airport Club because it was a club airplane, oh. and they got a new airplane. <laughs> See? So, so everybody was happy. Almost. <laughs> and the Salt Lake paper said, picture of me, Yeah. insurance, uh, uh, a president of insurance company escapes death. Yeah. And uh, it was on the front page. If we and went to like, if we went to Salt Lake tomorrow, and we went to like the local library where they have all the old newspaper yeah. clippings, there's got to be just a whole yeah. almanac yeah, on like you. Well, yeah. when I was in skiing, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. and you're yeah. racing, doing well, I, I, business, I, I, and then <laughs> I realize that there's been certain parts in my life that the good Lord made me have a little bit of a talent in those areas. Yeah, yeah. So. Did I capitalize on it financially? No. But did I capitalize it from an ego and a wonderful feeling? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody can take that away. Yeah. I yeah. have the question for Avenatti. Oh, oh, we're back yeah, to, right. to Avenatti. Yeah, sure. All right. Okay. okay if by some, some grace of God you were to be nominated for the President of the United States, oh. who would you select for your running mate? Okay. Vice President. Probably Ryan or I. Put that down as Probably Stormy Daniels. Probably Stormy Daniels. No, it won't be Stormy Daniels. They they don't get along anymore. Oh, they don't. No. It didn't end well. well. Yeah, yeah. no, it didn't end end well. Um, So who do you think it would be? One or the other? I don't think he's going to get the nomination. I don't think so either. All right. So the two, we have two final kind of questions uh, to close this out. This first one is sort of a newer thing we've been doing this year with a lot of the uh, folks who've had sort of long runs in the sport. In your opinion, which is more important, the truth or the legend? I think the truth is more important than anything. So if a story is big and awesome to the fans, but not necessarily the actual truth of what happens, you think the truth is more important? Well, I think the truth depicts reality. Mm-hmm. The uh, imaginary situation is not reality. And do you want to live your life under imagining things can happen or they did happen? Or do you want to live your life as it is? I mean, we lived our life. We've had opportunities that I don't think billionaires have had. And I'm thankful for those. Did we capitalize on them? No. Maybe that's our fault. 
because maybe we didn't have that in mind. We had in mind being successful in that area as best we could without taking into consideration, perhaps, that if we didn't do this, we could end up with nothing. So along the way, we took chances and lost. Yeah. Okay. And you got to accept your losses and say, we tried, you know, we tried, we gave it our best. Things didn't work quite out our way. We gave it our best. Maybe perhaps some of the people we were involved with didn't give it their best, but we can't control that. So what do you do if you're involved with many people in life? We're involved in a boat business down here in Dana Point. If I was, and we're facing this right now, if I was just taking care of Dix and Diane Simon, I wouldn't have to worry about my next check. Right now, I'm worried about all our employees. Okay. How many do you have, like, over 40, right? No, not right now. Okay. No, right now, we only have maybe 10. Okay. That's still, still 10 people that payroll. depend on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time when we had 80 employees. We yeah. did. Mm -hmm. yeah. We had 40 in boating and 40 in racing. Yeah, right. But, oh. but those days are gone. There's no way now we can start that life. I've had many people say, why don't you go back to racing, Dick? There's no way. We worked our way up. How can I go to a sponsor like Durso and say, well, we're going to get back into racing. Yeah, 30 years later. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Not reality, They're going to so. say, yeah, you bet. Our very final question is, you know, we, we called you not that long ago. You had no idea what the hell we were or what you were doing when you showed up. Our fan base, who may not necessarily know the the whole backstory, uh, what would you, in like four sentences or less, what would you want the legacy of Dick Simon to be to our listeners? My legacy? Your yeah. legacy. Yeah, imagine or you and Diane. some kids listening to this 20 years from now. What do you want him to take away from this? <laughs> well, keep it a dick for this one. Just yeah. You know... I'm ha I'm having trouble answering that. That's also an acceptable answer, to be honest. <laughs> no, I I am seriously I don't know what I'd like for my legacy because I don't know. Imagine I'm walking down the street and I talk to a racing kid and he's like, "Hey, what do you think of Dick Simon? What would you want me to say about you?" I'd want him to say good things. Yeah, right. Uh, that would be my hope mm -hmm. that nobody has, and I know some people do because they disagreed with me. But I would hope that the general Dick Simon history would be one of, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. That would be my wish. Yeah. yeah. I helped a lot of people to become successful. Yeah. But I'm still sitting here <laughs> sweating. What are we going to do next month? Right. Because right. the boat business is not good to us. Yeah. So I'm sweating right now. What are we, she and I, going to do? Yeah. Well, we have Social Security. We live in a 1,400-square-foot mobile home down here. We used to have, uh, when we were in racing, 6,000-square-foot house. 6, house, five acres of property, mm -hmm. a full-time gardener, and oh. right. a part-time maid. Yeah. So, basically, we've had that. Yeah, right. But you know what? I'm happier with this little <laughs> right now <laughs> than I was back then. <laughs> right, right. So how do you beat that? Yeah, right, right. You see, you can have, like, I have friends right now that have millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They're not as happy as, as yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm so glad you're happy. Yeah. All right. Well, that yeah, vacuum that noise note. is actually a real vacuum. Yeah. So I would say <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Continental's got the check. Dick Simon in two parts. Uh, we did not expect this to be what it was, so uh, really enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, Max Radke also enjoyed it because he uh, he suggested him. And uh, we'll close this out with a song called Now Is The Time by Candy Peterson, available on musicbed.com. And our previous episode was uh, closed out with a song called Made For This Graffiti by Ghosts, also available on musicbed.com. currency a precious commodity spend it reverently ah 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 ah
Minutes. 